0: Go ahead and be seated, grab your Bibles, we'll dismiss our youth, and you can open in your Bibles two places with me, open to Isaiah 50, verse 7, Isaiah 50, verse 7, and then Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, we'll get over there in just a minute, Isaiah 50, verse 7, let me read this, we read this during our time of communion, and I'm thinking of this month. Here's been my thought. What was Jesus focused on? We celebrate Easter primarily in in this month. We start looking through the scriptures of all that he went through in those last weeks of his ministry. So what was Jesus focused on? And let me let you know, it realigns our focus because many of the things that we get focused on weren't the things that he's focused on. So we want to get on his mission and his heart and realign the things that, that we see. So we read this in Isaiah 50. Remember, you can read Isaiah 50, Isaiah 53. Isaiah prophetically gives that picture of Jesus' suffering. But it says this verse, But the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint. I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. If we look at this verse, and if you notice the language, this is a prophetic verse that we're hearing almost Jesus' words, that he has set his face like a flint. And if we were to go forward, he's setting his face forward because he knows he's going to Jerusalem. He knows he's going to be turned over to the soldiers, to Pilate. He knows that he's going to ultimately be beaten and suffer and die. But he knows he's going to rise again, but he's got to go through that physical part. But he set his face that he's not going to turn back. He's not going to U-turn. In fact, Flint, many times we don't, you know, Flint isn't something that we think about. Flint is a very, very, very hard stone, and it was... Years and years and thousands of years ago, it was used for tools and weapons. It was also used that you would take steel and you would hit it against flint and it would cause a spark. And flint was so important because it was that spark that would light the fire that would cook your food, keep you warm. So that analogy that Jesus has set his face, there's nothing that's going to deter him or turn him around. We know, we've been reading through the Old Testament, and we just went through, we're going through Judges, and when we read Jesus' words, he's always concerned about people, and people getting his word, and people being set free, and we read about Samson, and you know, you can tell a lot about a person by what they say, and when you read Samson, his first words to his parents aren't like, hey, I've got this great prophetic, you know, gift notes, get me that woman, that's his first words. In fact, the trouble with Samson, right, is he's always after somebody else until the very end when he looks to God so that he can get back on the Philistines. But, you know, what God had to think of and endure to send his son to this earth to die. And as I'm reading through the Old Testament and as we've been reading through, I keep reading words that said, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Baals. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. You know, the one though that always gets me is in Genesis 6.6, where it says that the Lord God regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. So God is saying, it grieved me to make man. Anything that they were doing was only evil. But here's what God knew. The minute he said, let there be light, he knew that the earth would be a mess because of people. He knew it. And he already planned to send his son Jesus into the mess to come down just like one of us, to walk alongside of us. But it wasn't just to walk alongside and then head up. It was to have to endure what he was about to endure. And God did it anyway, even into the mess, even though they did evil in the sight of him constantly, even though they worshipped other gods, even though his heart was grieved, and even though he told, them, told to Noah or Moses, he wanted to start over. Let's just start over with you, Moses. But God reminded Moses of the covenant. That he had. You know, and I, I know we can make this more personal, and those of you that have children, you know, I was thinking through, we've been through stitches and surgeries and uh, tests and projects, friends, right? Tough teachers, all of the things that, you know what you want to do? You want to replace yourself for what your child's going through. No, 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 let's do the switch. You don't need to go to surgery, I'll go through the surgery. Uh, I'll take the test for you. Any parent like that, you always want to make sure you don't like watching them go through the painful part of life. So God from heaven was going to watch his own son go to a people that they created that would reject him, despise him. Try to do whatever they could to catch him early to kill him. And he sent him anyways, even though many of them would never accept him and would never know him he did it anyways because of the strong strong love that he has for people that's powerful his love for people that he would send his son anyways and Jesus who's running with this mission is going to set his face like flint he's going to finish the course he's not going to sin he's not going to give in He's going to do every single thing that his father asked. He's going to make sure that he even rides a donkey on Palm Sunday that we celebrate so that it can fulfill the scriptures that was said. Everything that needed to be fulfilled, he would make sure to fulfill it until he surrendered himself because God gave him the power to do so. So as Jesus was focused, then I turn it and I look at me and say, am I? focused. You know, I read the story of this farmer who said that lightning has struck an old shed on his farm, but it saved him the trouble of having to tear it down. Then it rained and he said it saved him the choice of having to wash all of his cars. That somebody asked him why he'd just been sitting on his porch. He says, because I'm waiting for an earthquake to come to shake the ground so the potatoes come up. I think that illustrates sometimes that uh many times we're waiting around but god looks at us different because he's waiting for who for us so what are you focused on jesus in john four thirty-five. i just want to quickly mention it begins to talk about a harvest field and he uses these words do not say there are yet four months until harvest He tells his disciples, lift up your eyes and do what? Look. The field is ready. So as we come into Luke chapter 10, I want to read several verses here. Luke chapter 10. In Luke 9, Jesus sent the 12 out into the villages. And he almost gives the 72 here the same mission. So let me read this along. It says, and the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. So let me stop there. Jesus has not yet gone to these towns, but he's sending these 72 out before him. Now, I don't know about you. I want to go after Jesus. Right? I, I want to go into a town after he's been there. Hey, remember the guy? I'm with him. Oh, you are? I don't want to be the guy going first. I want to go after him. But Jesus switches this and says, no, no, I'm going to send you first. And we go on and we read this. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Let me read that again. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray. Everybody say pray, right? That was about four of you. Everybody say, say pray. Pray, pray earnestly to the Lord of the Harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. I pray that right all the time, and you pray for especially people that have children that are not walking with the Lord. You pray for laborers, but notice what the next word says: go. Oh, I thought I could just pray, right? I thought I could just pray earnestly. No, he says, go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever you, Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what they set before you. Heal the sick and in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings... To our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, listen to what Jesus says. It will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than that town. We don't have time to go into that. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed because of their great wickedness. Jesus says if they reject this message, it's worse to them than Sodom. All right. Jump down to verse 16. The one who hears you, hears who? Me. The one who hears you, hears me. And the one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. Verse 17. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that your spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You know, I wrote in my Bible, I think I forget to rejoice that my name is in the Lamb's book of life. I might rejoice at other things, but that I have confessed Jesus as Lord, that I, I'm, I forget that. No, not that I forget that I'm not saved. I just forget to rejoice in that. He says, Don't rejoice in all of those things you just saw, rejoice that you have believed. Rejoice that you have believed. And in verse 21, in the same hour, he, talking about Jesus, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. And he said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father or who the Father is except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal. Then turning to his disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings... Desired to see what you see and they did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. I thought about that. I am so grateful that I'm saved, and I'm so grateful I get to read words in red of what Jesus said because those prophets that we look at, that's what they wanted to see and hear, but we get a chance to do so. But notice what he said to pray. He says, The Lord of the harvest has a harvest. But the harvest needs who? Harvesters. Actually, I think there's a country song that's about international harvesters. Now, when we were in North Carolina, our first time, I met a gentleman. He used to serve in a um, youth ministry. He only had one week off a year. And that week he served at youth camp because he had a dairy farm. I had no idea about farming. I was farm clueless. Seven days a week. 4 a.m., milking, I forget how many, a guy had cows upon cows. When he needed a break, you just don't leave the cow, right? Hey, I, I've got to go. I'll be gone a week. No, you have to have somebody fill in. Seven days a week, milking those cows. I don't know about you. Does that sound exciting to you? Every morning that alarm goes off, and i got to sit in there, and meh, 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 utter, udder's utter, going away. Does that sound exciting? It might for a week, right, like a dude ranch. But not every single day, seven days a week, And when you're gone, you have to have somebody there. You can't let them not go without milk because then you, you lose the part of your harvest. Well, here's how Jesus relates it to us because we're unaware of harvest. We buy plants already grown and we put them in a pot and we're so excited about them. We post them and I planted my succulent plant that you didn't even harvest. You just bought. We're not used to harvesting. But the Lord says the harvest is plentiful. Here's what God sees. The harvest God sees is people. He sees people. But he's going to send the 72 ahead. The 12 already went. 72, we really don't know their names. Some of your translations will say 70. Some of those ones, you know, put 70, 72. Uh, He's sending those people out. We don't know who they are. We would have thought Jesus would have had more than 72. But he sends them out ahead of them because the harvest is great. He needs harvesters. So the harvest isn't the problem. It's the harvesters. Jesus knows the harvest is ripe, but nobody's in a hurry to cut it down. It's the farmer waiting back for the earthquake, right? For the potatoes to come up. Nobody's in a hurry to go cut it down. And he sees a harvest. And you know. sometimes we equate, we say, you know, I've been talking to this person for so long. They're the hardest person to talk to. But we have to remember this: God sees a harvest. But he needs you to go before him to be that harvester. I love how Paul says it the best because he says, you know, we're we're all in fact I'll use it, we're all part of that system because one's gonna plant, one's gonna water. And then another is going to get the increase. The Lord's going to get the increase. But somebody's got to plant the seed. Somebody's got to water the seed. And we can't get discouraged. He told those disciples, don't be discouraged if they slam the door on your face. Don't be discouraged if they, you know, knock the dust off your feet. Go on to the next city. Find those hearts that are receptive. And I love what he always reminds us. He always will tell us to pray, pray, pray. Pray and pray more earnestly because only God can connect the harvester to the harvest. That's his heart. The harvester to the harvest. And here's what he sees peoples, cities, and nations. But here's what gets God the most the people are his family. He doesn't look at it as people, he looks at it as family. They're my children but they need somebody to hear. You know, we think in our day, there is so much of Christianity being out from online to television to everything, but God still needs harvesters, people that have a heart to go out. And that's his mission. In fact, I I wrote it this way. We're all interns in his mission, aren't we? I didn't want to be an intern. How many of you, your work has internships? And you get people in. And how many of them you want to send them right out? Anybody? All right. Some of you are like, no, no, no. I try to keep them. I try to keep them. Well, look at your neighbor and tell them you're an intern. Right? You're in God's harvest. But he needs harvesters that are going to work together the two-by-twos and that are like-minded, that see the harvest, work together, work for the harvest. You know, we were pastoring at Garden Grove Um, We were gone on a Wednesday night. I think we were gone because of convention. I had asked a pastor at another church to fill in for me on Wednesday night. And then there was a gentleman in our church, Dan Cabrera, that was going to kind of oversee the service. I'm thinking Steve probably led worship. So I'm at convention. I believed I called a guy in our church about 1030 at night on a Wednesday night just to try to get an update. And I couldn't get a hold of him. I called him again at 11, couldn't get a hold of him called him, it was about 11.20, and I picked up, you know, he picked up the phone. His name is Mike Stark. And he says, hey, I'm just leaving church. Oh, why? Everything okay? Well, uh, you know, when they say, well, that's when you, you know, you're your pastor, you go, oh, Lord, what? Who did? What? He said, well, it was a great message. And then Dan went to the back door and said, nobody's going to leave. Everybody's getting prayer tonight. So Wednesday night, Nobody got dismissed till like 11:15 at night. Now, here's the first thing I remember. We had a bus ministry. We had kids as little as four years old that would get on the bus without another brother a sister or a parent. You know what I think? There's a four-year-old on the bus at 11:15 at night, you know, going home. I have youth. I have kids. And I ended up calling Dan. Dan thought it was the greatest service ever. Oh, man, it was the greatest service ever boy people were they didn't want to leave and i said yeah cuz you had the door shut <laughs> the phone calls that i got the next day from these parents my 4 year old was out till 11:45 and i couldn't get a you know phone call phone call phone call he thought it was the greatest harvest in the world in fact when i went back i said you know they absolutely had the right heart right he didn't want anybody to leave that message Without really getting, can you imagine I'd say, hey, we got armed guards today at the door. You're not leaving till 6 o'clock tonight, right? You're going to get what God wants you to get. <laughs> Man, people would hide. So he had the right heart. It was just the, the you know, the wrong, the wrong way, way to do it. Thank God every four-year-old got back in the middle of the night to some house uh, somewhere. But I thought, Dan, you got the right heart. You want people, you see people, and you want them free. And you want them to grab a hold of that truth. And all of us do, right? We have methods that we've got to get rid of because there's things that we do, but we want to follow God's harvest. Here's what's really powerful. Luke 10, verse 21. Jesus' words. In the same hour, okay, what just happened? Jesus heard from the 72 everything that happened. And in the same hour... He rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to your children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. And I wrote this in my Bible and I have it in my notes. You don't see many times where the Trinity rejoiced. There's only a couple times we see that Jesus rejoiced. And it usually was in connection with the Father as well. But he rejoices in the Holy Spirit and he connects with the Father. There was a rejoicing because the 72 went out into the harvest field and did harvesting before the Lord ever went. Remember, at this time, Jesus had to stay out in the deserted places. Because there were so many people and he would be out in the deserted places, but he also was staying out in the deserted places because he knew his time was short and he didn't want to die before his time because they wanted to seize and take him by control. But he rejoiced in the spirit and he thanked the father for the report, not of what his ministry did, but for what the harvesters did. Think about that for a minute. The the Lord Jesus Christ rejoices over us when we're harvesting in his field. Look at your neighbor. You're a harvester, right? You are a harvester. So here's what harvesters need. Hearts that are sensitive to the Holy Spirit because we all get so busy. I'm in Costco the other day, and I just had a couple items, and the the whole little um, uh, conveyor belt thing kept moving, so all my stuff went into somebody's else, and I joked with the lady, hey, thank you for buying that for me today. And she says, I'll pay it forward. And I looked back, and this guy had one of those monster TVs. No, 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 I'll get my, <laughs> right? I'll get my little $26. Worth. I don't feel like paying it forward today right? on that. I was hoping that they had, you know, something little in there. But God, work on our hearts when we're out and about in your field that our hearts are sensitive to the people that we come across because he sees a harvest field but he says pray and pray earnestly but go into the harvest field because those people they're my family I'm concerned about them they're my family you know in Isaiah 6-8 after Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up on his throne. The Bible says, "And the train of his robe filled the temple with glory." In fact, it goes on and it says Isaiah says, "And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, "Whom shall I send? And who will go for us?" And Isaiah's right there, "Here am I, right? Send send me. Send me, send me out." You might think I I don't speak eloquent enough. I I don't know what to say. I haven't been trained in the four spiritual laws. None of that matters. Because those early apostles were told, don't worry about what you say when you go before the court. Don't worry about the say, because the Holy Spirit is going to give you what to say. But he needs somebody to say it. He needs somebody to do it. He needs the harvesters out. Because if you're like me and we look at our world situation, you know, uh, many would say, oh, Jesus is coming soon. Many would say we have plenty of time. But here's what we know Jesus says. Only the Father knows. But he knew back in John 4 that the harvest was ready. Don't say four months. He continually says those things uh, that the harvest is now, the harvest is now. And so we're to do our part to be harvesters for God's family and uh, what Jesus said, what makes him rejoice is when the harvesters harvest, when the harvesters plow, when the harvesters plant seed, when the harvesters water. And so those relationships and people and faces that are around, God sees as his children, as his harvest. What made Jesus rejoice? we when we harvest us because we're his family we are that extended hands and feet but he says pray pray earnestly and then that word go don't wait on the earthquake to shake your potatoes don't wait on the rain to clean your car (laughs) be a person that goes so father we come to you today the lord of the harvest. In fact, your harvest field you look at is not just looking at Arcadia, California. Your harvest field is the world. 7.5 billion people. But you don't see a number. You see a person. A life. You said in Genesis, let us make man in our image in our likeness that your heart is for your people even the ones today that are adamantly opposed against you don't believe you've ever existed fight your ministry your church fight everything that Jesus did but your heart for them is still as we read in second peter You don't want anyone to perish, but that all would come to repentance. Lord, would you work those things in our heart that when we wake up in the morning, we're not going to milk cows, but we are going into harvest fields. And that the spirit in the side of us tunes in to have your heart, to see the things that you see. And to respond as you have sent us. That we're in all farmers in your field. It's your harvest, your tools. But we want to serve you well, Father. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, it's so important to understand the love of a God for you, and I want all of us to say this prayer after I pray. Ready, dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe, in Jesus. I believe that He lived. I believe that he lived. and that He died for me. And that He died for me. I accept Him as my Savior. I accept Him as my Savior, as the Lord of my life. As the Lord of my life. Thank you for coming into my heart. Thank you that I'm one of your family.
1: Thank you that I'm one of your family.
0: Thank you for forgiving me of all my sin.
1: Thank you for forgiving me of all my sin. In
0: Jesus name we pray. Name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today or recommitted to the Lord, let us pray for you at the end of service.
1: Then he said to them, "The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And next to harvest, I wrote lost family. The harvest is just his lost family. I was reminded of a story. Um, It happened many years ago, probably, Well, it's gonna be 22 years ago. We were living in North Carolina at the time and I think it was a Saturday and we were at Concord Mills Mall kind of like an Ontario Mills Mall and I remember we walked in through one of the main entrances which took you right into where like the food court was and to the right to the left of the food court was a jewelry store and we walked in and they had um, balloons and all all this stuff going on in the mall that day and we walked in and um, we were holding Madison's hand and next thing we know um we must have let go of her hand and we turned and she was gone like that fast gone and we our hearts panicked and we were looking for her and calling for her and she was nowhere in visible sight you remember that nowhere in visible sight what seemed like eternity Somebody brought her to us. We were like, where was she? Where did she go? And she said she was following the balloon. The balloon. Our heart sank. And this morning during the message, I wonder how many of the harvest are following balloons. And the Lord is saying, will your heart sink to that place to find them? The same way our heart sank as parents in that moment when we could not find her, I have to wonder, is that what the heart of God is for his lost family? that are out chasing balloons. And he's asking us today, It says right here at the end of that scripture, therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. So that he's asking you to get out there amongst the balloons and compel them to come in, to bring in the lost family. Because essentially, if they're his family, they're your family. So your brothers and sisters are out chasing balloons, and we're sitting here smiling and enjoying church. He's asking us to get up and go. Amen? Amen. Amen. You got family to find this week. How about that? And you don't need no DNA test to go look for them. (laughs) They're out there. Just go find them. Look for some red balloons. I promise you they'll show up this week if you're looking. I promise. Well, it's been a good day in God's house.